Hello there, and welcome to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin Wilkins. Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And if you want to know more about the Canadian Council of the Blind, CCB, you can send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. During the almost four years that this program has been on the air, we've addressed a number of disabling diseases and a number of disabilities. But one that we haven't talked about very much is cleft lip and palate. I had the opportunity to speak with a speech pathologist from Winnipeg, Manitoba. We talked uh, about cleft lip and palate and also her work with Operation Smile. So here is that interview that I did with Candace Myers. Well, hi, Candace, and welcome to the program. Hello, Devin. Nice to be here. Maybe we could begin by getting you to tell us what, just briefly, what are cleft lip and cleft palate? Okay. Uh, cleft lip and palate is an opening in the lip or the roof of the mouth or the soft tissue in the back of the mouth. It's a birth defect that occurs during prenatal development, and it occurs when the two sides of the palate or the lip don't close together, resulting in an opening. Uh, the cleft tends to develop between 8 and 12 weeks gestation, and there's generally no way to predict that it has happened, so it's often quite uh, a shock for parents when their child is born because they're not really prepared for it, and they're often very concerned and worried about how the child will do over time. Now, I've heard that the lack of folic acid uh, can be the cause of um, spina bifida. Do you think that it has any bearing on cleft lip and palate? They are exploring that possibility. It's known to be very important in preventing um, congenital defects like spina bifida, but attempts to prove that the protective effect for cleft conditions have remained inconsistent. There's no clear information about that at this point. Mm -hmm. So are there other complications that can go along with cleft lip and palate? Yes. This depends on the type and the severity of the cleft, and it can create or lead to serious health issues if not corrected. Babies often have difficulty with feeding, and in some parts of the world that can lead to malnutrition or even starvation. So it's a very serious concern in developing countries. Ear infections can occur, often recurrent ear infections, which can lead to hearing loss. Dental development is often affected and requires years of treatment for most children. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, speech problems are a big uh, result of uh, cleft palate. 
And then probably one of the most concerning issues is that children who are born with a facial difference are often bullied and isolated socially. Yes. Hmm. We seem to... uh need to find a reason to bully (laughs) for some reason. Unfortunately, I think that's the case. Yeah. Hmm. So how common is the uh, cleft? Uh, Cleft lip and palate occurs all over the world. When we meet people in developing countries who have cleft lip and palate, they often think they're the only ones who have this problem. Mm -hmm. And I tell them that this occurs all over the world. It's it occurs between 1 in 500 to 1 in 700 births, including in Canada. The rate or the incidence is a little bit higher in Asia and slightly lower in Africa, and we're not quite sure why. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Is the child usually born with both? Um, it varies. Uh, about 25% of clefts are the lip only. And about a quarter, again, are the cleft palate only, and about 50% are combined cleft lip and palate. Oh, okay. And when are repairs usually carried out surgically? Generally, in North America and developing countries, the lip is repaired between three and six months after birth, and the palate is often repaired between 12 to 18 months. And then often there are additional surgeries that are required as the child develops, usually at the age of 6 years or 12 years, as the facial structures mature. Um, In developing countries, often there is no service for this type of problem. So uh, children, it's not, if the child survives with an unrepaired cleft, they can live well into adults with uh, a huge facial disfigurement that has a significant impact on their life. And so I know that you work at least part-time for a charitable organization called Operation Smile. Yes. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that, uh, like when and uh, why Operation Smile came into existence? Operation Smile has a really interesting history. It's really a remarkable organization. It was founded in the early 80s by Dr. Bill McGee, who's a plastic surgeon from the United States, and his wife, Kathy, who was at that time a nurse and then became a clinical social worker as well. Mm -hmm. And they went on a trip to the Philippines with a group of other medical volunteers to offered to do surgeries to repair children's cleft lips and palates. And that was really a life-changing trip for them. They were able to do about 40 surgeries at the time, but there were over 300 families who came to meet with them, hoping that their child would have uh, be able to have a surgery. And the McGee's promised to go back and never leave a child behind. And almost 40 years later, they've stayed committed to that promise. And Operation Smile now works in about 34 countries around the world. Wow. Yes, it's really remarkable. That's great. And they've done thousands and thousands of missions all over the world. Terrific. I think it's close to 300,000 surgeries they've done now. Really? Mm. 
How many in a year would, would they be able to do, do you figure? Uh, well, interestingly, there are missions, which is it's not really uh, associated with a, uh, it's not a faith-based organization necessarily, mm-hmm. um, but the mission is just a group of professionals who come together and go on, go to the developing countries to do the, the surgeries and provide the other associated health care. And there's at least one mission a week, all year long, around the world. Wonderful. Different communities. They've also developed what are called cleft care centers in developing countries, so that the ongoing care of children and adults born with cleft conditions can continue even when uh, the Western professionals are gone, because one of the main missions of Operation Smile is to provide ongoing support and training for health professionals in developing countries so that they can be independent to provide these services. Oh, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. Very important. Yeah. Does Operation Smile do anything here in Canada? No. uh, Operation Smile is a not-for-profit, non-governmental organization, and uh, but in Canada, because we have a funded health care system, care for children and adults who have cleft conditions is generally covered by our, our health care system. So there's no, it doesn't matter what type of economic background a patient or family has, the child will still receive their surgeries at a certain time, and they're followed by what's called a cleft palate team as they grow older to make sure that they're getting the surgeries, the treatment, the dental care, the speech therapy, and all of the uh, care that they need as they grow on into adulthood. And is there an organization that kind of advocates on the part of people with cleft lip and palate here in Canada? Um, Well, in Canada, it's it's, uh, a standard part of medical care. So children are identified at birth and they're immediately connected with the cleft palate program. I can remember when I first became a speech pathologist many years ago, uh, I was on the cleft palate team at the hospital I worked at and we would see babies uh, right after birth and talk to the parents. We would connect them with um, other parents of children who had treatment and that was incredibly reassuring for these new parents that were just overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that happens pretty automatically um, in developing countries like Canada. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if anyone wanted more information about uh, Operation Smile, uh, where can they go? Well, they can go to the website. If you Google Operation Smile Canada, you can go to operationsmile.com and it has a wealth of information there about cleft palate, about cleft conditions, uh, all of the types of questions that you've asked and the information that people that are are interested in. And it talks about the work that uh, Operation Smile does to provide these services um, for children around the world. Uh, Outside of North America and developing countries, there's uh, an incredible lack of access to safe surgery. And for the past 38 years, Operation Smile has been a catalyst in bringing safe surgery to 
many remote countries and the poorest parts of the world. That's great. Mm. Um, is there uh, anything um, anything else that I should touch on that, that I haven't asked you about? Either about Cleft, Palette, Cleft Lip and Palette or, or Operation Smile? Well, uh, Cleft Lip and Palette has been, as a speech pathologist, it's been something that's been close to my heart for a long time because speech is a very basic um, necessity of life to be able to communicate effectively and go to school and to work. And uh, the general care of children with cleft lip and palate to um, address the facial differences is very, very important. And it's really heartbreaking to uh, go to these developing countries and to see, um, to see these children who've grown up with these unrepaired clefts and one of the things that strikes me is that when you see babies and children who are two or three or four, they're running around and playing, and they don't know that they're any different from any other children. No. But as they get a little bit older and they start to be more aware that their face or their speech looks different than that of other children, they start to become more and more self-conscious and quiet and reserved, and it's really heartbreaking to see how these children hold back um, as they grow older and they become very, uh, very introverted. And I'm always a big advocate for children being able to go to school, and I've heard time and time again of children who are not able to go to school, like their siblings or their friends, because either the teacher can't understand them or they're bullied, or both. Yes. And these children, they're very intelligent. Uh, a cleft lip and palate, per se, doesn't have anything to, uh, anything to do with the child's cognitive development and their ability to learn. And they just want to be able to do the same things that other children can do. They want to have friends and to play and to go to school. And uh, it's it's wonderful if we can support that ability for them to have uh, a more normal life and the things that we kind of take for granted. That's true. Mm-hmm. It would be great if somehow they could do like an awareness day or an awareness presentation before the child started school and uh, uh, or while the ch- child was beginning school, so that uh, people could ask questions. Yes, that's that's certainly a great idea. And as we build capacity in these developing countries and have people who live locally who are more trained in this background, we're hoping that this type of thing can happen, where the children are supported as they go to school and the teachers and the children understand the condition. And certainly when children have that They do really quite well, and they're included into the education stream, and the teachers give them opportunities. But of course, that's not the case in many places in the developing world. No. And I know myself, I've been doing uh, Operation Smile missions for I think about 12 or 13 years now. I've done I think 24 missions at this point. Really? All over the world. Yeah. Exactly what Operation Smile does 
with its donor dollars. Um, they're very judicious in how the money is spent. It goes, the money goes towards direct care for these children. The volunteers who go on these missions, we donate our own time and we pay uh, a contribution to be able to attend these missions. And uh, it, it's incredibly rewarding to be able to share our skills and help train healthcare providers in developing countries, our counterparts, and to see children get this much needed surgery and care and speech therapy, which is um, some of what I do on the mission. How long would a mission usually last? I've been on missions that have lasted anywhere from four days, so four days of surgery, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe a day of screening and four days of surgery. And they can go up to a couple of weeks. Um, and the, the number of children, or the number of children and adults, because they do operate on adults as well, oh, good. all ages, Yes. if they're healthy enough to have the surgery, if they're able to physically have the surgery. And these surgeries, for the lips, for example, can take as little as 45 minutes. Wow. And it can even be done under a local anesthetic. Right? Really? So it's, it's really relatively easy to do this life-changing procedure with minimal resources, but it has to be the appropriate skilled, trained professionals who do this. And uh, I've been on some missions. There was an area in India that was very underserved by um, NGOs and different healthcare um, organizations for several years. Mm -hmm. And the McGee's went with Operation Smile there and found that there were over 25,000 people in that one state in wow. India who had unrepaired plus. Oh, my goodness. It's just mind-boggling when you think of it. Wow, I'll say. Yeah. So they developed a plus care center, so there was year-round care, mm -hmm. and people were trained. I helped train a speech pathologist who worked there full-time, and... Uh, they would have something called mega missions where they would get a group of professionals together. These were big teams of, for example, 10 surgeons, 10 anesthesiologists, a couple of speech pathologists, many nurses, and multiple other professionals. Mm -hmm. And they do 500 to 1,000 surgeries in two weeks. Wow. Which My goodness. Which is absolutely amazing. But that's one of the other great things about Operation Smile is they stick to what they know and they're, they're specialists in it. And they, um, it, it's an extremely well-run organization, and I always describe it as a well-oiled machine <laughs> because it's really amazing to see there's a lot of background work and logistics that go into uh, planning and executing these missions. And Operation Smile is extremely good at it. And uh, it's when they bring people together from countries all over the world, I think there were people from, I don't know, 60 countries on this one mission and wow. who came to volunteer. Mm -hmm. And uh, people come from all over, and we're trained. We do a lot of training on our own to deal with these very different circumstances. And uh, the, the work is very organized. We screened during that one mission I was on. 
I personally screened over 400 patients in terms of their, their speech. Really? Yeah. It's, wow. Uh, but again, you have to be very organized, um, and Operation Smile is known for that. So we do our jobs, we work long hours, and I often describe these missions as exhausting, but at the same time, they're exhilarating because you see this incredible difference that it can make in these, the lives of these children and their families. Yes. And when, when you go, when you yourself go, do you have to know various languages, or how do you get around the... Uh, language barrier in order to know the kinds of sounds that the children are going to need to learn how to make. Right. That's an excellent question, and a lot of people wonder how we can possibly do speech therapy, for example, Mm -hmm. language we don't speak. But the thing is, number one, we have very, very well-trained interpreters who live locally, and, pardon me, on this one mission in India, for example, I think there were five different languages. Uh, people came from, patients came from different regions. So we needed interpreters for five different language backgrounds. And as a speech pathologist, it's not their language we're necessarily correcting. It's their, their speech sound production. Yes. So when I go on a mission, I have to learn what the sound system is for that language. And there's a lot of information you can get on the Internet now. And we have a bank of materials available, too, or sometimes we often just develop them ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I work very, very closely with an interpreter. And so, for example, one of the types of sounds that's affected when a child grows up with an unrepaired cleft is sounds like P and B and T and D. Oh, yes. And those sounds occur in almost all languages. So if the child was saying a word that started with P, even if I didn't understand the word, I could tell whether or not they were producing it correctly Mm -hmm. or with the types of errors that usually occur when um, a child has an unrepaired cleft. Because children are very smart. They will find a way to try to make these sounds. Uh, Even if they're not coming out, they will do the best they can. Yes. So we have to kind of undo these errors, these error patterns, for after they have the surgery. We actually do the speech therapy before the surgery and teach them how the sounds are made. And then um, we send them home with a home program. We actually teach the parents how to be the speech therapist. But key to that is uh, a motivated parent or family member. We've actually taught siblings how to do the the speech therapy. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen a problem with motivation on behalf of these families. Um, We send them home with a home program. If they are literate, we provide... Uh, speech materials in their language, but even if um, the family member can't read, we will send home written material in case there's another family member or a community member who might be able to work with the child, mm-hmm. or we can just explain how to model the correct speech to the parent. So um, literacy is not necessarily a prerequisite. As long as they understand the mechanics of speech, 
they can do the speech therapy. That's terrific that you found all sorts of ways around whatever problems might arise like that. Yes. Where there's a will, there's a way. But that's, that is a, quite a, a common misconception, though, that people think if, if I'm not fluent in the language that I can't provide the speech therapy. But I've been literally all over the world, and except for South America at this point, hoping to go one of these days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we often go to mission sites where there are... Um, four or five different languages, and we just, we determine that ahead of time, so we're well prepared, mm-hmm. and we make sure we've got interpreters, and um, and that's all set up by the local people who participate in organizing the mission. That's terrific. Well, thanks so much for chatting with us about that. You're uh, very welcome. It's, it's been a pleasure, and... Again, if, if anybody's interested in learning more about this, I'd encourage them to look at operationsmile.ca, and um, you can make a difference. I think I've mentioned on this program before that I was born with no eyes, which of course means that I have been blind since birth. But I haven't mentioned that I was also born with a cleft lip and palate. My lip was done between one and two years of age, as most people's lips uh, are done. But my palate wasn't repaired until I was 26. And uh, when I heard what I sounded like after the palate was done, I realized that I could pursue uh, my uh, one of my dreams in life, and that was to be involved with radio, because radio was, is, and will always be one of my first loves in life. As well as doing this show, I also do a once monthly 15-minute segment on AMI-audio, Accessible Media Incorporated audio, uh, which you can get if you are a Kojiko subscriber by tuning in to channel 596. I do um, a segment on the first Wednesday afternoon of the month, about 3.15, about guide hearing and service dogs. But this time, this uh, this year, I should say, because July first is going to be on Canada. On uh, yeah, July first will be on Canada Day. Canada Day will be on July first, uh, which will mean that uh, most of the uh, broadcasters will have the day off, uh, and they'll have special programming. Uh, because of that, I'm going to be having my segment on the 30th of June, which, of course, is the Tuesday at about the same time in the afternoon, 3.15. And as I say, I talk about uh, guide, hearing, and service dogs. Um, so aside from this show and that segment, I do three other uh, podcasts. And, and this is a segue to the next guest that we're going to talk to. 
I also do a once monthly show on the third Friday of each month at about one thirty in the afternoon on an internet station which is based in London, England called The Global Voice. And the program that I do is Spotlight on Assistance Dogs, which, once again, is about guide hearing and service dogs. Last year, um, was it last year? No, the, the year before, 2018, I got to chat, I got the chance to have a chat with Chrissy Cochran, who is the general manager of the Global Voice. We uh, chatted on Team Talk, and she was doing the recording. Uh, So her voice is good, which is the way it should be. At times, mine is a little bit uh, here and there, you know. Uh, But uh, she had the answers to the questions that I posed, so it was good that uh, that she did the recording. So here's that chat about uh, the global voice, which is something that if you're blind or even if you're not, you might like to put into your resource toolkit so that you can listen to it uh, every now and again, whatever you want to do. So here's my chat with a general manager of the Global Voice, Chrissy Cochran. Welcome to the program, Chrissy, uh, all the way from near London, England, right? No, 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 no. in London, England, southwest London, London. southwest London it is. All right, that's great. Well, maybe you can start by giving us a little bit of the history and the reasoning behind the Global Voice. Um, I was managing director of the radio station of the American Council of the Blind for a few years, and my contract ended. Um, And they decided in their infinite wisdom that they wanted to have an American managing director. They hadn't had before then. They'd had Jonathan Mosen from New Zealand, Dave Williams from the UK, and then me. So... Being at a relatively loose end, I thought, what would be a good thing to do? I thought, I know, I'll start my own radio station. And uh, unbeknown to me, <laughs> once people heard about it, most of the then staff at ACB Radio came to me with the global voice, which was rather nice. So we started off with a, a staff of about 17 or 18, and the um, object of the exercise was to have no automated music programs 24 hours a day, and that's how we started it nine and a bit years ago. All right. And was it originally meant for people who are blind or partially sighted? Originally it was. However, we have updated that to a certain degree, although most of the presenters are blind or visually impaired, although that is not a criterion. Okay. And how did you manage to uh, get people from around the world to uh, become broadcasters? I guess by people hearing about us, because we did promote to a certain degree on various lists, and there were people then that wanted to join us. We've had people from, uh, let's see, Pakistan, Hong Kong we've had, Um, Sweden, we've had uh, 
Germany for a while. We've had Australia, the States, of course, Canada, naturally, um, and the UK. I'm sure there are others, but I can't remember them offhand. Uh, currently, you've got, uh, what, Den Denmark or the Netherlands? That's a good question. It's Denmark, I guess. Uh, the, yeah. The guy is Dutch, but he's resident in, in Denmark. Right. Uh, so, uh, would you say that uh, a majority of your programming is not necessarily for people who are blind or visually impaired? Uh, yes, I would, because radio predominantly is not just for the visually impaired. Now, if you have specific programs, and we do, then that's a different matter. For example, we have um, Eyes on Success, which is a program specifically for blind people. We have uh, New Horizons from Australia, which, again, are, is specifically for blind people. But most blind people, as I'm sure you know, grow up with radio. So radio is second nature to them. So, therefore, we cater for all as the strap line says, radio for all, but um, with an emphasis, especially in terms of the presenters, uh, on uh, giving blind and visually impaired people uh, a good chance at, at what one could call playing radio, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, and I have to put a plug in for Spotlight on assistance dogs. I forgot that. I am so sorry. Oh, <laughs> slap on the wrist. Right, yes, not good. <laughs> So uh, anyway, uh, so those are the the three main programs for that are are specifically meant for people who are blind and visually impaired. Yeah, they're the three main. But I will put a plug in here. If anyone would like to do something specifically for the blind, we used to have a technology show called Innovations, which I used to do. Just cough a bit. There we are. That's better. Um, but we gave it up simply because there wasn't much new coming out. There, were, there was plenty of stuff being updated, but in terms of new material, there wasn't much coming out to keep an hour program a week uh, uh, lively. But if there is anyone who would like to do something with a specifically blindness angle, then feel free to write to management at theglobalvoice.info and we'll look at the proposal. And if it's a good one, we'll uh, certainly... Um, give it a look. Yeah, and uh, I would just draw people's attention again to the dot .info as opposed to com or net or org or um, UK or anything, or CEO, I guess it is, or anything like that. It's uh, management at the global voice dot .info. And um, now let's talk about some of the other programming that you offer. Do you still have quite uh, a variety globally speaking? Yeah, we do. Um, we do not so many programs in other languages as, as we would like, but we do accept people who want to do programming in other languages. Again, drop a line to management at the Global Voice Center, and if you can drop your email in English, so much the better. That doesn't mean you have to do a program in English. Um, at the moment, we have Dutch, we have Greek, we have a program that's done part in Ukrainian and part in English, I think, uh, and German. And they're the main ones that we have at the moment. Um, but uh, we have music programs, of course, specialist music programs, general music programs, and talk programs, some of which we outsource. 
from other sources, World of Radio, for example, from Glenhauser, various programs from TGV Media, run by Keith Perron in uh, Hong Kong, and uh, stuff that we do ourselves, our flagship program. I would say that, wouldn't I, because I run it, called The Attitude Test on a Sunday evening, which is a talk program, and uh, we've been doing it for nine years or so. We were one of the first stations to use Skype and Team Talk as the means of calling rather than the telephone, because the quality is much better. We just take a subject each week and throw it around, and we don't necessarily come to any major conclusions, but we debate for an hour. Now, that's uh, Sunday evening uh, universal time, or your time. Sunday right? evening, 18 hours UTC, that's universal time call, or the same as the, the older people amongst you would know it as GMT, Greenwich Mean Time. Yes, which would be about 2 o'clock in the afternoon here in Peterborough. It would, indeed. Yeah. Okay, um... Let's talk a little bit, too, about uh, the uh, website that uh, you have. You have quite an extensive site up there. Yeah, it's, it is. Many sighted people would say it's a simple website, and that is deliberate. We don't have loads of pictures and loads of this, that, and the other that you can get bogged down in. It does what it says on the tin. Um, we have the program schedule up there, of course. We have the program gallery, which is... Uh, basically the equivalent of podcasting, where the um, music programs that we have are kept up there for one week and the talk programs are kept up there for one year. Um, what else do we have? Um, we uh, it's, it, it's basically it, uh, the program schedule, the, the program gallery. And, and the uh, blog? Uh, yes, we have a blog, indeed, which is available from the, from the website. And we are in the process of updating it to make it a little more visually pleasing because there are those that say, well, you'll get more people if you do that, and, and that, that's fair enough. But in terms of screen readers, we're going to keep it just as friendly as it is now. That's great. So if you want to find out more about the Global Voice and uh, check it out a little bit uh, further, you can go to www.theglobalvoice, all one word, T-H-E-G-L-O-B-A-L-V-O-I-C-E dot I-N-F-O. You can follow us on Twitter at The Global Voice as well. If you'd like to join in for our Attitude Test program on a Sunday, you can Skype the program at the.global.voice. That's the only time when The Global Voice in our uh, parlance is are two words. All right. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about with regard to your station? Uh, let me think. No, I, I would just invite listeners to, to listen to the station and see what you think. I, I think we have a pretty high standard of professionalism, um, unlike some stations where people come and people go. Uh, many of the staff I've had or have, have been with me almost since the beginning. So we've um, grown up together in radio terms, and I think we have a professional standard. We also have, by the way, an outlet or another arm of the Global Voice called TGV Productions. And this is... Many of us on the Global Voice are musicians, 
and we offer a service whereby if someone might come to us and say, look, I've got a song, can you provide a backing to it? We will do things like that. We will also then market their product online, be it through iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, uh, Amazon. I think that's about it. Probably a few others as well now. I think it's, it's, it's increased. But um, that arm has a, has a few recordings out already. Um, I've got two albums out, but I won't self-promote them. That, that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, but we're, we're here to help people who are wanting to get into the music side of things, but, but are doing it from home. Yeah, I know. I certainly appreciate the opportunity to be able to do that. I, I had a uh, show called Going Like 60, and I still have a spotlight on assistance dogs and uh it certainly means that I can keep my hand, uh, finger in the pie as far as broadcasting goes, which I really appreciate. Well, for those who think, I'd like to have a crack at this radio business, it's really not as difficult as you would think. And uh, we provide all the necessary um, online training we can do for those who say, I'd like to have a go at this. I've never done it before. I've got such and such and such an idea. Bring it to us, and uh, we'll see what we can do, and we can help you get on and, and, and stream. And it uh, really isn't that as daunting as some people might think it would be. And there are some programs that are broadcast live and some that are pre-recorded, aren't there? Yeah, we, we take both. Um, it's difficult. In fact, it's virtually impossible to have live broadcasting 24 hours a day in this sort of situation, which is why... Many stations have uh, automated music, basically, when they don't have live programming. Well, we decided not to do that. Um, my concept originally was that, as it's a global station, we will try and repeat programs at times when people in various zones in the world can listen. So, therefore, we, we actually have 24 hours a day pr actual programming. Yeah, I really like the idea of uh, programs being repeated, because then... You know, if you don't happen to catch it live, you can catch it uh, on the repeat or you can catch it in the program gallery. Yeah, well, that's so the, that's the point, though, Devin. It, it's not quite as important as it used to be, simply because, as you rightly say, if you don't catch a program live, you can go to the program gallery and get it. But nevertheless, people still like what I would call linear radio, where one program follows another kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. I think of uh, when I do shows, I think of a person sitting beside me and I'm talking to that person. That's and the only so, way to do it. That, yeah. that really is. Um, and that comes straight out of the BBC training manual. That's one of the first things they say. Imagine yourself sitting with one person who's interested in what you're saying. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. All right. Uh, if there is there anything else that you wanted to pass along? I think we've covered it. Just that if you want to know more about us, drop a line to management at theglobalvoice.info. Be it you want to be a presenter, be it you want to know, I don't know, about um, specific, specific members of staff. Oh, I forgot. We also have um, a DJ from Ireland. I mustn't forget Mr. Bollard from Ireland. So, you know, we're, we're uh, yeah. all over the place. But uh, anything you'd like to know that isn't on the website, and there's plenty of detail there, that's at uh, 
http colon slash slash the global voice all one word dot info you can put the www in if you want you don't have to either one will work and there's a listen live link there so that you can tune in anytime and not only that we are on TuneIn radio search for the global voice and there we are um and if you're on Alexa, dare I say it, that's probably woken up several million Alexas, I don't know, in Peterborough or wherever. Um, You can just say, play radio the global voice, and she will do that without complaining. And you can also get it on the Victor stream, which is nice. Yes, it is one of their um, stations they, they put in on all the new Victor streams. Yes, indeed. All right. Thank you very much, Chrissy, for uh, chatting with us. And it's definitely another resource that uh, blind people and anybody, uh, regardless of whether they are otherwise uh, disabled or able-bodied, they can uh, listen to and take along with them. So I would highly recommend the uh, Global Voice when you want to uh, hear um, more programs for Uh, people with disabilities, or if you want to hear programs from other countries. Thanks so much for being with us. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I think we have just enough time for the video about the Blind Shell Classic phone. In this video, we're going to talk about a phone specifically created for the blind and visually impaired. That's the Blind Shell Classic phone. Hi everyone, it's Carrie from Live Accessible, and as I mentioned before, today we're going to be talking about the Blindshell Classic Phone, which is specifically made for the blind and visually impaired. It's completely accessible, and it has auditory and verbal feedback, as well as large print. It's really easy to use, and it's a really great option for those looking for an easy and accessible solution. But hey, if you're new here, welcome to the channel. We do videos on technology, tips, resources, and encouragement for people who are blind, visually impaired, and sighted supporters. So please subscribe and hit the bell for more videos like these. So here's the phone, and thank you to Blindshell for sending me a phone to review. In the box, it comes with a phone, of course, as well as a charger and a pair of headphones, a quick start guide, some QR code stickers for the object tagging, which I'll explain a bit later on, So it has a 2.8 inch TFT display, which you can actually turn off like the screen curtain for iPhone and the dim screen for Android, which is pretty neat. And you can do that in the setting. So below the screen, it has these physical buttons, which are really tactile. And it's kind of like this candy bar, older style phone. It's approximately 5.2 inches high by 2.2 inches wide by three quarters of an inch thick. So I have the red version and it is red on the back. It actually has this really nice texture on the back. It's plastic, but it's textured so it doesn't pick up fingerprints as much, even though I can't really see the fingerprints anyway. (laughs) It is smaller than the smartphones that we have today, but it feels just right in the hands. It feels really nice actually. 
You can definitely use this with just one hand and reach all the buttons. It comes with four gigs of internal storage and you can use it with a micro SD card and has Wi-Fi, Bluetooth and GPS. It has voice control, voice dictation, speed dial, internet radio, FM radio, a camera where you can add voice descriptions of all your photos, an SOS button on the back. You do have to set it up, of course, before you use it. It has alarm, timer, stopwatch, calendar, notes, voice recorder, calculator, weather, dictionary, email, music, and a book player, color identifier, localization where it can tell you where you are, and object tagging. You can use these stickers that it comes with, put them on an object you want to label, and you can make audio labels, scan them with your phone, and once you get to that item, you can scan it, and it will play back what you recorded as a voice label for that object. This is really similar to the pen friend and the label wand and things like that, which can be very helpful. And of course, you can call and text your contacts. So let me just describe and explain the layout of the phone. So the screen is on top of the front and below that is a keyboard. And so there's a four directional keypad and there's the OK button in the middle. And then the top left, there's the volume down. And the top right, volume five. it's the volume up. The button below the volume down, which is the second button on the left, is the call button or it's another OK button. And the button under the volume up button on the right is the end call or the back button. Below those buttons is the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and then star 0 pound. And on the top edge is where you can find the headphone jack as well as the charging port. And it uses a micro USB cable. At the bottom edge is um, some holes where you can attach a loop or a lanyard on it in case you want to put it around your neck or your wrist or something like that. There are no buttons on the left side and no buttons on the right side. It does come with the battery out of the case. It's pretty easy to uh, put in. You just pull it the back up. Here's the battery. You can pull the battery out and you can put your SIM and a micro SD um, under the battery. You can feel some springs in the inside part of the phone in the battery compartment on the bottom. And if you feel around the battery, you can feel the contacts so that you can orient where to put the batteries in. So I'm going to put them back and put the cover back on it just clicks into place and to power it on you just press and hold the end call button or the back button and it says blind shell and it does a little chime for you which is which is really cute and it takes you straight to the menu. So a lot of these buttons have one function when you press them once um, and then a different function when you press and hold them. It's really easy and intuitive um, once you're on the main screen that you press the left and right arrows to go through the menu. Messages, two contacts, three of nine. More applications, four of nine. Settings, five of nine. Information about state, six of nine. Manual, seven of nine. No missed events, 8 of 9. Turn off the phone, 9 of 9. Call, 1 of 9. 
If you want to select something, just press the OK button in the middle of the directional keypad or you can also press the call button. It's another confirm button which is under the volume down button. So I'm going to press the middle. And again, it'll take you to another menu and then you can scroll through the menu just using the left and right arrows. To exit, you can press the end call button or the back button. If you press this button once, it'll go back one screen and if you press and hold it, it'll take you back to the main menu. You can change the voice and speed in the settings and you can also change the color scheme. I personally like the white on black, but they have different color options and sizes to choose from. And you can also choose if you want icons or just text or if you want the icons and text, which is how it is right now. There's also a simplified mode if you want to try that out and you can change all these and more in the settings. So if you noticed while I was scrolling through the menu, it tells you one of nine. So it tells you what number it is in the list of items on the menu. And you can actually use this as a shortcut. So say I wanted to go to other applications and I knew just by experience that it is number four in the list. So I can press number four. More applications, four of nine. And then I can press the OK button. Tools, one of four. And that helps because you can do things a lot faster just by using the shortcuts. But another option that you can do is use the voice control, which I really like. You can press and hold one of the volume buttons and just talk. I listen after a beep. Open alarms. Opening alarm. So it just takes you straight to the application that you want and this works for calling, for messaging, for all sorts of things, opening calendar or making an event and a lot more. If you press and hold this when you're in a text field, well, let's go to notes. So I listen after a beep. Open notes. Opening notes. Add note one of two. So I'm going to add a note. I'll press the OK button. Text. And now it just says text, so I'm going to press and hold the uh, volume button. Hello, this is just a test. Hello, this is just a test. So it vibrates to let me know that it recognized what I was saying, and then I press the OK button, and it inputs the text and reads it back to me. If you ever want to repeat what it said, you can press the down arrow. Text. Hello, this is just a test. And it'll repeat it for you. If you want to hear what time it is or the battery or things like that, the date maybe, you can use voice control, but you can also press the up arrow. 1706, Tuesday, July 2nd, 2019, 105. And then you can press the left and right arrows for more information like Wi-Fi state, connected, signal strength, network, battery state. 18%, Another really cool thing is with the camera. So I'm going to open the camera with voice control. I listen after a beep. Open camera. Opening camera. So it's beeping to let me know that it's ready to take a picture. So let's just take a picture of the box. So you can press the OK button. Save image, one of two. And press the OK button again to save the image. Record a short description now. 
This is a picture of the blind shell classic phone box. Image has been saved. Camera images one of two. So if I go into the camera images, image one of eight. This is a picture of the blind shell classic phone box. It will play the voice description that I created when I took the picture, which I think is really cool because you know a lot of the time when you're blind or visually impaired, you might not remember what that picture is, and so having that. Um, auditory description is very very helpful. So those are the highlights of the phone. And so what are my thoughts? Well, first let's talk about a few places where I'd like to see improvement. First, I'd like to see a better screen,、uh, maybe an OLED or an LCD screen that just will help improve the contrast. Also, a better camera never hurts, and it would definitely help for the color reader. But with all that said, this is a really great option for people who aren't very tech savvy or don't. Quite want to jump onto a smartphone, or for seniors, or for just people in general who want something that's simple and easy to use. I will say that I love the combination of having buttons as well as voice control. I think that's a really great mix for people who are blind or just people in general. Technology has gone so far, and there's so much accessibility when it comes to smartphones. But <laughs> there's nothing like pressing a Physical button. It just there's just something about that. I wasn't able to test the calling or the messaging things that had to do with the mobile network because I do not have a SIM for this. And if you're interested or if you want more information, definitely go to the Blind Shell website, which I will link below. And if you do end up getting this phone or if you know somebody who has this phone, leave a comment down below and share your experience. I'd love to hear from you guys. And if you like this video, give it a thumbs up below, and don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell for more videos on how you can live accessible. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you in the next one. Happy Canada Day, everybody! It's Canada Day up Canada Way on the first day of July, and we're shouting hooray up Canada Way when the maple leaf flies high, when the silver jets from east to west go streaming through our sky. We'll be shouting hooray up Canada Way when the great parade goes by. Oh Canada, standing tall together, we raise our hands and hail our flag, the maple leaf forever. It's Canada Day up Canada Way on the coast of Labrador, and we're shouting hooray up Canada Way on the wide Pacific shore. People everywhere have a song to share on Canada's holiday. From Peely Island in the sunny south to the North Pole far away, oh Canada, standing tall together, we raise our hands and hail our flag, the maple leaf forever. It's Canada Day up Canada Way when the long cold winter's done, and we're shouting hooray up Canada Way for the great days yet to come. Where maple trees grow maple leaves when the northern sun is high. We're Canadians and we're born again on the first day of July. Oh Canada. 
standing tall together. We raise our hands and hail our flag, the maple leaf forever. It's Canada Day, up Canada Way, from the lakes to the prairies wide. Hammer shouting hooray, up Canada Way, on the St. Lawrence Riverside. People everywhere have a song to share on Canada's holiday. From Peely Island in the sunny south to the North Pole far away. Old Canada, standing tall together. We raise our hands and hail our flag, the maple leaf forever. We raise our hands and hail our flag, the maple leaf.